0: Hey, this is John Orberg, and this is coming to you on Valentine's Day. This is a one-off Valentine's bonus eposition of... Bec- uh, <laughs> I'll keep going. Bonus episode of Become New. And because of that, you might think that I'm gonna talk about hearts and songs and flowers and romance, but you would be wrong. I will have to rescue those flowers and give them, but that's not what I wanna talk about today. And I'll get to that in a moment. I want to say a couple of thanks. Susie, I met you over the weekend at a grocery store. You worked in the flower department. I bought those lovely roses from you, and you were so enthusiastic and so excited about Become New and finding it and being a part of our little fellowship of the withered hand where we can't, but God can, so we decide to let him. You made my day. And then, Jonathan, the note that you sent to me where you talked about being in a point of need in your heart, in your spiritual life, looking for God, and then just stumbling accidentally or providentially into what we're doing uh, was a great encouragement to me. And because of what you wrote, I have ordered chapstick and skin moisturizer. My man, thank you so much. I want to talk to you about love, but something much deeper than courtship. In fact, uh, C.S. Lewis, as you may know, is a great Christian writer. His primary area of study was literature. And he wrote about how it was actually in about the 11th century in France, that the idea of what became known as courtly love began to emerge in a different way. He says it was one of the few times when there was a uh, very discernible shift in human thinking. Now, of course, chemistry, Um, Sexual attraction, that is ancient, that goes way back. The importance of love in human relationships goes way back. But the idea of falling in love or romantic life as a means of salvation or as the basic story of a life or the basic quest, he said that actually emerged primarily initially in France. Troubadours would write about it, would sing about it. And and in fact, it was thought to be restricted to the aristocracy. Peasants like you and me could not know that. That's why it was called courtly love. It was restricted to the court. To this day, when we talk about courtship, or a man courting a woman, it dates to that particular time. But love itself is much deeper, much more profound. In fact, ironically enough, Valentine was initially about something way deeper. You may know about this. We associate Valentine's Day with hearts and candies and flowers and romance. But the initial Valentine, so far as is known, was thought to have lived in about the third century after Jesus and was actually in Africa. There were a few different people who were called Valentinists that go back, but the first one, as far as is known, a woman named uh, Lisa Battelle, historian from USC, writes about this, was in Africa. He was not associated at all with falling in love or romance, but he was a devoted follower of Jesus, and he was persecuted and actually beheaded for his faith. And many, many, many centuries later, saint valentine's feast got associated with this time of year and animals mating with each other but at its core it was about somebody whose love for god and and for people was so deep that it cost them everything we don't usually mean it in that way if you say to somebody could i be your valentine usually it doesn't mean would you please behead me but that's where valentine's got its start so i thought today it would be best to talk about love and to invite all of us whether you're married single whatever your attachment status invite all of us into the great uh wisdom about how connection gets built in relationships a couple john and julia gottman write about this quite fascinating they discovered it almost by accident. They would have a lot of people in their labs. They were looking at marriage, but this, this extends far beyond marriage. And they would video folks. And they didn't even know at first what they were looking for. And this is what they wrote. Pretty quickly, a pattern emerged surrounding what we, start, what we started calling bids for connection. One person would make a bid, initiating a moment of connection. It could be physical or verbal, overt or subtle. And the researcher controlling the camera would zoom in on the other person's face. People responded to bids for connection in one of three ways. So now this is going to be your invitation for today, on this day when we think about love and connection. By turning toward, they gave a positive or affirmative response, acknowledging the other person and engaging with their attempt to connect. Even a hmm can be counted as a turning toward. In fact, if you're Scandinavian, it counts as gushing enthusiasm and high emotional intelligence. Hmm. By turning toward, by turning away, they gave no response, either actively ignoring or just not noticing the other person's attempt to connect. Or third, by turning against, they responded irritably or angrily to actively shut down their partner's attempt to connect. What does this look like in real life? Well, the other person, let's say they're scrolling on their phone and they say, oh, this is interesting. You look up and say, oh, really? What's it about? That's turning toward. Or you keep typing the email that you're already working on while staring at your screen. That's turning away. Or you say, can't you see I'm busy? And that's turning against. Now, obviously... In real life, even back in the Gottman's lab, it's never possible to always turn towards other people in their bids for connection. But here's what was really interesting. The Gottman studied these couples for a six-year period. And at the end of six years, they discovered that the couples that got divorced from each other six years earlier turned toward each other in their bids of commitment, uh, connections only of the time. Couples that stayed together turned towards one another 86% of the time. That is an almost unheard of statistic when it comes to social science research to have something that, that is that dramatic. The number one way for you to bring value into your relationship and to be bonded to friends, family members, people in your life is to become an expert at offering and recognizing and responding to bids of connection. So, be on the lookout for small bids of connection. Think of every moment, kind of like you're walking around and you're looking for money on the ground. Every time you see some, bend down and pick it up, it's worth it. And these would be some of the ways that we'll recognize somebody is making a little bid for a connection with you. Eye contact, a smile, a sigh. A direct ask for your help, asking for a favor, saying good morning or good night, reading something aloud to you and saying, hey, listen to this, calling your name from another room, seeming sad or down. Think about times in Scripture, like when Joseph was with two men in prison and he noticed and responded to that. And that became a bid for connection that changed his life physically carrying something heavy by themselves, seeming frustrated. Every single moment you positively respond to another person is money in your bank account. And then one last word, if you want to communicate care today, every once in a while, when you're with somebody, just touch them. There was a very famous experiment, Sydney Gerard back in the 1960s. It was called the coffee house experiment. And he traveled around the world and he went into coffee houses in different places. And he would look when pairs of people would come in at how often they would touch each other, hold hands or arm on the back or lean in or so. Take a guess real quick. In Paris, how often, how many times an hour do you think couples touched each other in Paris, France? Correct answer, 110 times an hour. Gainesville, Florida. Again, I'm not making this up. Very famous study. Gainesville, Florida. How many times an hour do you think couples would touch each other on average? Three times. Way short of the French. In London, England, how many times do you think couples would touch each other per hour on average? And the correct answer, zero. It's amazing that there are any people left in England. One of the interesting things about Jesus is how often he would offer touch. Little children would come, and the text says he would place his hands on them and bless them. People that nobody else would touch. A leper comes. It it was against the law to touch a leper. Jesus touched the leper before he cleansed the leper. A woman who's just called a sinful woman, and she begins to weep at his feet and bathes them with her tears and washes them with her hair. A man who is blind, and Jesus touches, puts a little... uh, Uh, Substance over his eyes. So today, uh, when you're with somebody, just let them know by touch. Notice by look or by word when they want to connect. And then lastly, on this day, know this. Whoever you are, young, old, single, married, happy, sad, up, down. God loves you more than you have any idea. I'll tell you what this day is. I think about way back in Genesis, very poignant moment in the third chapter after Adam and Eve have disobeyed. It says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. Now, of course, God didn't have a body. We don't know what all that means. But they heard the sound. What was that? That was a bid for connection from God. Want to go for a walk? The tabernacle and the temple that's a bid for connection from God the ache we have that makes us cry out to the universe that's a bid for connection all the way of course to the ultimate bid for connection on God's part which is his sending of his son Jesus to be our friend no longer do i call you my servants he says now i call you my friends you are deeply deeply loved god is making a bid for connection every moment of your life. Happy, joyful, blessed Valentine's Day.